Eshu Alekwana Kofi Wari Awa Onlo Uto Ni Iwo Ara Afanbo Ofi O Batalami Ita Ni Ibo Onilio Avane Shu Eshu is the respected elder who flogs, confronts, and uncovers fools. That one versed in mysteries uses truth to own you. He causes scattered to feed poverty. Obatala shakes rascals to have sacrifice. The owner of warnings is the one who is Eshu. Aboru, aboye, aboshishe, ashe. May I ever reach a room? May I ever be accepted? May I ever allow what we desire to come to pass? And so we say, Ashe. I have so much to say today, so please be patient with me. Be patient with me. All is a blessing. Divine, all blessed. Peace and love, joy and prosperity, elevation, revelation, and divine, all blessed manifestation. You are now listening live with the divine prince, sitting live with the divine prince, viewing live with the divine prince on many platforms. Pan-African spiritualist, practitioner, author, and advisor, Elagoon, Oloye, Hudu, Obeya, Bokor, Sibia. Understanding that all is truly and indeed a blessing. If you can just see beyond the veil, sharing with you all things spiritual, mystical, metaphysical, cosmic, evolutionary, revolutionary, healing, and holistic from a Pan-African hoodoo, world spiritualist perspective. Again, understanding that all is truly and indeed a blessing. If you can just see beyond the veil, for it is all just an illusion and a test and one of the greatest divine mysteries of this life cycle. This is indeed my constant prayer, my mantra, affirmation, Reverberation It is my reiteration And my personal ever living reality It is crucial To the very foundation Of my inner standing Being my walk My works My demonstration Along this divine All blessed Life path and journey It is how I The divine prince Make sense out of all that we are challenged with here in our daily existence along Mother Father Earth, including Hurricane Zeta. And it is my personal place of power and understanding, the place from where I begin, the place from where I realize and crystallize all my endeavors, understanding that I and I alone create and co create my divine destiny. And I and I alone create and co-create my divine, all-blessed reality. And so it is. Ashe. Asheo. Greetings, greetings to each and every one of you, young and old, new, and as well as my uh, continued uh, supporters and listeners and co-hosts. I greet you. I greet you. I greet you this Friday. Uh, what is that? Uh, Halloween Eve, <laughs> October 30th, 2020, and I am emanating and vibrating with you and for you live.
live, virtually, verbally, cosmically, quantum, universally, from this working triple of the House of Design Friends. Pi Potions, Hoodoo Central, LLC, in this beautiful, historic, legendary, enchanted, and some would say most haunted city in America, New Orleans, Louisiana the land of my ancestors and those who came before me along this hoodoo obeya life path and journey, passing down the great obia stick along with the knowledge of the life-giving herbs, roots, plants, rituals, minerals, spirits, indeed the weather, and of course the culture, the ethnocultural life and tradition of these of these practices that we now honor and acknowledge. And as my beloved, beloved Denise Augustine would say, our sacred stories. Please do continue to visit us at www.oursacredstories, oursacredstories.com for your tours plus experience. It's more than a tour, beloved. <laughs> it's more than a tour. And you can visit us at www.oursacredstories.com and make your reservations to get clarity about COVID-19 protocols and to check for availability. I like to say, I always say, and I have been saying for many years, that the creation of sacred space critical to all that we do, all that we do, all that we say, all all that we project that we are, all that shows up right up front in our demonstration, the creation of sacred space. And the creation of sacred space in any moment, in any endeavor, in any environment, and indeed, in, in any weather, for those of you who showed love, who showed support, who sent offering and donation, I'm forever grateful. I'm forever grateful. Uh, indeed, we ducked and dodged and bobbed and weaved all season long with these hurricanes. <laughs> but Zeta came in just shy of a Category 3 right over the city. Some of you have seen a not-so-good video, but there's a video on my Instagram uh, at one particular camera that sort of caught the movement of the storm. The physical movement of the storm, then that eye in the middle of the storm, and that eye wall, you know, and, and then sort of the electricity that Shango and Oya that kicked off with this hurricane. And indeed, it was powerful. It was powerful. And so the creation of space, sacred space, one that feeds your best interest, one that feeds your well-being, one that feeds your serenity and your peace and your sense of stability, we have to be able to kick that in in any weather, even in the midst of a hurricane. And Hurricane Zeta came in fast, came in quickly. We didn't really have a whole lot of time to get alarms and alerts and, you know, evacuation, you know. And fortunately, the ancestors blessed us. The Most High blessed us. Oh, yeah, and Shango blessed us. 
And we did endure a great deal of damage, but nowhere what it could have been had this hurricane had been just a little bit slower and had more time to stir things up. So it jumped. Oh, yeah, leapt over us. She, she did a backflip <laughs> right over the city, <laughs> you know, and Shango, you know, beat drums and, and made noise. And, and, of course, the winds of Oya were the most intense part of the storm, I think, for, for a city like New Orleans, below sea level, that sits naturally below the water. So our first concern is always flooding, a repeat of Hurricane Katrina. Hurricane Katrina wasn't the, the disaster. It was the flooding that was the disaster. So we, we didn't have a whole lot of flooding, um, not here in, in this part of Louisiana. Uh, the winds, you know, were like a blow dryer. So any amount of, you know, water that, that hit the ground, oh, y'all was blowing it so quickly, um, we, we didn't have a, a great deal of flooding. Uh, but parts of my roof did come off. Um, some of you have seen the video. <laughs> some of those ancient historic uh, ceramic tiles came off, um, damaged uh, poor brother Josh, Joshua's car, um, obliterated the, the windshield. Um, so we did have some damage. My fruit trees did turn over, but they were just heavy enough not to really go anywhere, uh, but then light enough to sort of just lay down. Okay, so they weren't damaged, they weren't broken. Um, the root bulb wasn't really um, in any real way, so I just had to go back and, and reset them. Uh, but I did lose, you know, a couple more banana trees, and banana trees are prolific. It's one of the most prolific things that you can grow uh, in this region. Uh, some people look at banana trees as a pest. Uh, it, it will take over. It will keep coming back. It will continue to uh, uh, branch out and, and spread. So I'm grateful I'll always have bananas. Um, and my little storage house supported uh, probably my heaviest, um, quickly maturing uh, bunch of bananas that are on, on the tree right now. So it's still in place. So so we're grateful. We're grateful. Things could have been worse. Uh, for my hoodoo and root work and, and conjure folk out there, you know, who like to collect spring water, who like to collect uh, storm water, I get 100 gallons of storm water, 100 gallons. I am a, a grateful participant of the WaterWise program here in the city of New Orleans, which helps you to capture rainwater particularly that rainwater that sort of runs down your house. And if you're in an older house or a wooden structure, really any structure, water can really uh, damage not just the foundation but the physical structure of your house. Um, if you don't have good gutter system, if you don't have a way of sort of doing something with that water. Now, traditionally, most people have gutters, and that water sort of runs right off into the ground. Uh, you, you know, that's, a, that's not a good proposition in a city like New Orleans. So WaterWise provides us these 50-gallon barrels that collect that water. So it makes it very easy for OB, a man like me, to capture 100 gallons of powerful storm water, hurricane water, uh, in, in an event like this. So we're indeed grateful. 
Greetings, France. Uh, Voodoo uh, JP. Greetings, beloved. Greetings, greetings. We certainly appreciate all of our international listeners and participants. I think sometimes here in the U.S., we're guilty of not being aware that we're part of a global experience. I fortunately have the the ability to sort of see the numbers behind the scenes. So I know that there are people in France who are listening. I know that there are people in Paris listening, in London who are listening, in uh, Spain who are listening. So thank you, Voodoo um, GP. We certainly appreciate your uh, standing up and representing. Greetings, uh, Sandra C., beloved. Uh, are you here or are you in the U.K.? I might be uh, confused in your location, but I'm grateful for your presence always. Um, yeah, there's an opening happening, Matthew Ferguson. Um, some would say it happens seasonally. Greetings, Enzo, Kalisa. Some would say that it happens, you know, every Halloween. Uh, some suggest that the veils are thinnest at Halloween. I have always suggested that the veils begin to thin at Halloween, but are there thinnest that week between Christmas and New Year's Day? When we look at the signs, when we look at the symptoms, when we look at how people act, we look at our anxiety and our fear and in some cases our love and appreciation of family gathering and coming together and what comes out of that during the holiday season, the veils are thinnest. I believe that the the National Suicide Hotline would support that. I believe that many therapists and consultants and and, and psychologists and psychiatrists would say that people are, are most sensitive during those, particularly here in the northern region, during those darker, colder months of the year. And I don't want to digress too much and get off into, you know, the Yuletide and where that came from and why they burned this fire and, you know, sort of this, uh, what they would otherwise call pagan, you know, uh, approach to nature. Uh, but it has everything to do with that venting. Greetings, Janet Gibbs, beloved. Forgive me for missing your call. At least I did get an alert, but there was no power. I just got my power back last night. My sister wife, beloved, Tony Val, still does not have power. Um, so everyone in the city doesn't have power. Everyone in, in the city of New Orleans and in Jefferson and in the general region still doesn't have power. So that would also affect their ability to sort of navigate the Internet to some degree. Um, Many services that we take for granted don't function, you know, when there's no power uh, and there's a chain reaction. Um, So um, I'm grateful to to live in a neighborhood that has power. Uh, But there are many who don't. Uh, There's some who don't even have water right now. Because remember, you need water. Greetings, Shamafia, beloved. I love your demonstration. <laughs> no, div- uh, no division, only liberation. That's right. And I love your demonstration. But there's many in the, in the city who don't have water, who don't have power. Um, thank you, Arisha, for reminding everyone. Please hit the like. Please follow me, not just where you are in Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, but also go into my blog talk radio. 
please go into my blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince and also follow me and click like there. You can also call me now if you don't have a, a webcam and you want to participate in the show, you want to be a co-host, you have questions, comments, criticisms, requests, you can call me at 845-277-9143, 845-277-9143. Press the number one on your telephone keypad. I'll be very happy to open your mic and bring you into the conversation. Um, yeah, so we're in, in a state of recovery. Um, of course, I had many other things also going on, but the storm had much more to um, with my uh, limited absence in most recent days. Uh, but I'm back uh, better than ever. I'm ready to hit it and, and hit it hard. I want to talk about Obia today, if you will. Yes, owner of the storm and mother warrior was gentle to the city. They could have wiped us off the map. But, you know, they were indeed grateful to us, uh, Eva Orisha, Mojuba Orisha. Greetings, free the nun. Greetings, beloved. Oh, priest, Awo, Lawo, Baba Lawo, Ifa Orisha, Yoruba, Ifa Toki, Peace, Baba, Asheo, Ashe. Hello, greetings, um, uh, uh, Evelyn Preston. Uh, and, and priest, I will, you know, I, I want to have you on the show. I want to have other authentic West African representation on the show. Um, I think you all underestimate the need for authentic demonstration here in the West, but from you, Nigeria, from, from Ghana, from, from the very ancestral roots of which many people in this audience hail from. So let's make that happen. Uh, greetings, greetings, greetings. Um, Latanya Williams, I'm not sure if I acknowledged you before. Greetings, beloved. She's in River Ridge, Louisiana. Uh, if you can, call in, pop in on screen. Let us know what's happening in, in River Ridge, Louisiana. Greetings, Craig Burns. Thank you. I told you all this is an international audience, an international audience. And there was indeed a great deal of energy in association with this storm. Now, I know religious folks, Stone Mountain, Georgia. Yes, Stone Mountain, Georgia. Greetings to Goddess Initiative. I know it's easy sometimes for spiritual people, religious people, to sort of, you know, overdo it a little bit when it comes to pronouncing you know, prophecy and, and connection and symbolism and meaning, meaning to natural weather events. Now, just as we've seen here in this room, understand, there's at least one person here who ain't here to support it, at least one. And I got one email one demonstration, and I think I know who it was just based on the wording of the, of the email, <laughs> that sort of, again, associated the hurricane with the wickedness of, of New Orleans, the wickedness of, of the culture of New Orleans, much like we see what happens when there's, a, when there's a, a hurricane or an earthquake in Haiti, 
And, and there's those evangelicals, there's Jehovah Witnesses, there's those religious folks who stand up and say, oh, well, that's a sign from God. That's a demonstration from God. And so there's at least one, always at least one, who's here to observe your demonstration. Seraphine, greetings, beloved. Absorb your demonstration. But it's not a positive. It's indeed black tourmaline. It's indeed uh, uh, onyx. It's indeed black obsidian. It's a black hole of energy. And energy is eternal. Energy is infinite. All the energy that we will ever have exists right now in the universe. It, it transforms. It changes from one scenario to another. But all the energy good or bad, negative or positive, we label it based on where we are in our experience, good, bad, negative, and positive. So when we look at it from a cosmic perspective, from a universal perspective, from a hoodoo perspective, from a conjure perspective, energy is eternal. So the idea of what you send out comes back to you very real, elementary, but very real. The idea of creating and recreating a reality that mirrors your best interest, very real, very real. But you have to be willing to face life on life's terms. Our ancestors had to face life on life's terms. When we look at the birth of Obia in the New World, I want to first say Obia is sort of a construction of Obi. OBI, which we see in Yoruba and Igbo, in Akan, it's a very common word. That the meaning kind of changes just a little bit, you know, from location to location. And then there's Dibia, Dibia, D-I-B-I-A, Dibia, and Dibia is sort of uh, a word among the, uh, the Akan and, and, and in Ghana that mirrors how we use words like hoodoo, root work, here in the West. So I believe, first and foremost, obia is sort of a contraction of, of, of those two words. Some might even say, you know, there's always that argument of pronunciation. New World pronunciation, what the man called it, what we called it, what it was called back in this most ethnic form, you know, so there's always that idea that words somehow get corrupted, words somehow get bastardized. For those of you who've seen uh, the first part of the three-part uh, series on zombies that I've been running on my social media and, and here in, in YouTube, uh, there's a beloved sister, you know, who references voodoo with, with four O's, um, as as uh, what's the word she used? Um, corrupt or no? That's not the word she used. She used a, a much more salacious word than that. But the idea that words who do who do are somehow corruptions of uh, bastardizations of uh, without really doing much further look at the root 
to the words. And that still needs to, to be further developed. Our archaeologists and our historians and our PhD individuals each still need to go a little bit further. I haven't written that book yet, <laughs> but somebody else can, can move ahead on, on that. So Obia, just like voodoo, just like hoodoo, just like conjure, are very loosely translated words throughout the cultural diaspora in the West. So we often group root obia in Jamaica, as if it's singular to Jamaica, unique to Jamaica, only done in Jamaica, but we see it in Honduras, we see it in Belize, we indeed see it here in, 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 in the southern regions of America, and the language over time changes, how it's referred to changes. Obia, healing and protection in West Indian slave life. I'm going to get a little help from Kenneth M. Bilby and Jerome F. Handler. Obia encompasses a wide variety of beliefs and practices involving the control or channeling of supernatural and spiritual forces, usually for socially beneficial ends, such as healing, bringing good fortune, bringing about protection, and, of course, avenging wrongs. Although obia was sometimes used to harm others in, in its antebellum context, uh, we'll say. Sometimes it was used to harm others. Europeans during the slave period distorted its positive roles in their lives of many enslaved persons. In post-emancipation times, emancipation times, colonial officials, local white elites, and their ideological allies exaggerated the antisocial dimensions of obia, minimizing or ignoring its positive effects. And so we know that obia, conjure, root work, voodoo, voodoo, would have been used to bring about some level of protection under an enslaved occupation. Mama, sisters being raped. Of course, there would have been a development of retributive magic under those conditions. But we also see for the needs of uh, racism, white supremacy, prejudice, the characterization of negative, evil, wicked labels on all aspects of ATR all aspects of African traditional religious demonstration in the, in the so-called new world, and not just Obia. As I attempted to speak to, many of you are familiar with TV. You know there was some editing in the zombie episode. I said so much more than what is in the final cut. Uh, but Obia indeed had its place of respect in our community, had its place of respect among the, the Maroons, had its place of respect among the enslaved, even those that had latched on to Christianity or Catholicism, uh, if you will. But any opportunity for mainstream society to demonize anything that would have been of benefit to us 
was taken. And so Obia, also associated with revolution, much like voodoo in Haiti, it is greatly associated with revolution to simplify the ability for us to uprise, the ability for us to say no and, and push back. And so Obia became just as demonized. And so I would argue that the lack of um, verbiage that supports what would otherwise support us, uh, voodoo, uh, maroon culture. You don't hear a whole lot about maroon culture in, in, in North America, though we know that it existed, particularly here in Louisiana, where we had over 200 maroon encampments documented. So the, the notion that anything that would give us power, that would give us freedom, that would give us liberty, being supported by the mainstream culture would have been uh, just not realistic. So today we see a desire for ATR tradition. We see a desire for spirituality. We see a desire for magic. We see a desire for answers. We see a desire for re- resolution to our, to our pains and to our problems and, and, and to our complex uh, uh, complications, if you will, in, in life. And many are turning away from what we would otherwise call organized mainstream religion and are seeking what appears to be liberating and empowering, freeing but also edifying. And so Obia, which encompasses a wide variety of beliefs and practices involving the control or channeling of supernatural spiritual forces, usually for social benefit, healing, bringing good fortune, protection against harm, avenging wrongs, at some point evolves into something that's much more warlike much more battle-oriented. And, of course, vengeful in some cases, enacting harm in some cases with an with a ego-based uh, uh, motivation behind it. And, and so that's where the sort of dark, um, I'm still trying to remember that word she used in a documentary, a negative connotation of not only voodoo but obia begins to take root not just in world culture or, or mainstream culture, but even now in our own communities. The word obia found across the Anglophone Caribbean, the English-speaking Caribbean, is probably one of the most widely known African-derived terms in the region. However, there is little consensus among scholars on its meaning and significance, although many conceptions of obia, both in the past and in the more recent years, stressed its antisocial and evil nature as witchcraft or sorcery. And indeed, the term obia has come to be endowed with a malevolent, malign social power, much like the bad words, swear words, curse words, which can lead to legal sanctions if publicly uttered in Jamaica or other West Indian societies. Obia is not an organized religion. It lacks a more or less unified system of belief practices involving, for example, deities or gods, 
communal or public rituals and ceremonies, and the physical spaces, sacred spaces, or sites where they occur, or spiritual leaders of congregations, congregants, as in Haitian voodoo, New Orleans voodoo, Brazilian candomblé, Cuban uh, santeria, uh, or the Orisha religion, um, formerly known as Shango in the Trinidad Tobago region of the Caribbean. Rather, obia is a catch-all term, like I said about hoodoo, that encompasses a wide variety and range of beliefs and practices related to the control or channeling of supernatural and spiritual forces by particular individuals or groups for their own needs or on behalf of clients who come for help. Now, originally, on the 17th century slave plantations of the British Caribbean, these beliefs and practices drew on a number of common and broadly related African models or belief systems, including sacred traditions and medical knowledge modified over the years by the new world environment, including its plants, animal life, European practices, beliefs, and material culture, glass bottles, rum, finely wrapped cigars, for example, and the social conditions and community tensions that existed under slavery. Although the specific beliefs and practices embraced by this term, obia, varied from place to place, obia everywhere shared at least two fundamental characteristics. Its practice involved the manipulation and control of supernatural forces, usually through the use of material objects and recitation of spells or incantations, and it was primarily concerned with divination. The divination uh, applied to foretelling, finding loss of stolen goods, ascertaining the cause of an illness, healing and bringing good fortune and protection from harm. Although it was sometimes used benevolently to harm others, the practice of obia usually involved specialists, often skilled in the use of plant medicine or um, concoctions involving uh, roots, uh, tree bark, um, things, again, found in nature who were sometimes paid by individual clients, you know, for their uh, uh, recipes, if you will. The practitioners, as well as their clients, could be men or women. Until fairly recent times, obia practitioners were not uncommon in most of the English-speaking Caribbean and generally practiced their art clandestinely because of a wider societal disapproval or prohibitive laws that existed for much of the colonial period. And, of course, the overt, you know, foot on the neck of, of the church and, and the Catholic and Protestant church that, that would have been prevalent in the Caribbean during, the, during that time, and, and many would say even still to this day. And perhaps it will help to arrive at a clearer understanding of this highly charged word, obia, if its meaning is examined in a specific Afro-Caribbean setting, since it is generally agreed that the term obia 
and its primary referents are of an African origin, we start by considering a Caribbean region known for displaying a particularly high degree of African cultural influences. No area fits this description better than the interiors of Suriname and French Guiana, where present-day Maroons, mountain, semi-autonomous so-called tribal societies exist. Their enslaved ancestors escaped from coastal plantations into the interior forest during the 17th and 18th centuries and founded societies beyond the reach of the enslavers. At present, among the Aluku, or Boni, of French Guiana, where Bilby was conducted over three years of fieldwork during the 1980s and 1990s, the word ovia, spelled O-B-I-A, has several meanings, with the most common being medicine, remedy, or healing power. And again, I want you to note the spelling O-B-I-A, which mirrors the spelling of Dibia, which is used still today in, in Ghana. And of course, that word Obi, which can be found in uh, some Yoruba traditions, but also some other. Greetings, beloved Wapani, Wapani. Greetings, my sister. Moon luck love. Greetings, beloved. Greetings. Please forgive me for not giving greetings. Once I get into the meat and the material, Sometimes I forget to check my chat. Jennifer Anderson, greetings. Welcome from Florida. Beloved, welcome. Does Obia come from Ashanti? Um, J.P. Carroll reading. That's what I am speaking to. Thank you so much, beloved. J.P. Carroll reading. That's what I'm speaking to right now. Um, Ashanti, but we also find Obi in Yoruba language. Um, we see Obi used to denote the coconut in, in Lukumi, in, in, in Cuba. Um, we know Obiabata in Yoruba to be a form of divination to, you know, connect with and communicate uh, with Ori and also with uh, Egon. So um, I'm sure there's a footprint in Ashanti. Texas, um Yule, Adamus, greetings, beloved. Also, Niabingi, Niabingi, yes. Greetings, beloved. Bantu Viking, greetings, greetings, greetings. Thank you so much for being present. Florida is in the house. Thank you. Yeah, Obia is like the term magic or Dale or or tale for sure. Um, And it has a much deeper root to it that. I'm trying to demonstrate expands more than just one ethnic group like the Ashanti. Greetings, greetings. Fitness Girl Fun, thank you so much. There isn't much information available online about uh, Obia, and and that's another reason why I'm doing this show, this broadcast. Uh, You're Adamus, yes. Yes, yes. Spelling would deviate, and not just words like obia, but with many other words, the spelling would deviate depending on what region, you know, what country, what geographical location in the New World that practice, that 
tradition would find itself. And when we consider the selling off of family members, the selling off of enslaved Africans, they would carry their knowledge with them. And so these traditions, these practices would then spread. And, and those otherwise who would not acknowledge these practices, meaning those who had been fully ingrained into Catholicism, Protestantism, you know, Christianity, um, that that new slave, that new visitor would bring that knowledge, that power, and that information, just like the, the taste of freedom. You know, it, it would only take one bad slave, you know, in the mind of the oppressor to plant the seeds of freedom, to plant the knowledge, the idea that you could be liberated, that, that you could leave this place if you would just be willing, you know, to, to put forth some effort, to, to put yourself at, at risk, you know, to take some, you know, necessary um, dangerous choices. But But we know through documentation that there were those who indeed survived, and particularly in a in a large region like Brazil, which has a huge geographical uh, environment for Maroons to have in, to have escaped to and hidden in and, and, and remained hidden in uh, for, for some time until their country, their region, Jamaica, Brazil, you know, Cuba, gained their their freedom. Greetings, Anthony Watts. Greetings, beloved. Thank you so much for everyone who's here. Please do join the conversation. If you got your webcam set up, you can pop in here on screen with me by following the URL that I now have streaming at the bottom of the screen. I'm going to stop it just for a second so I can copy and paste it. <clears throat> you can also call me now at area code 845 277-9143-845-277-9143. Do press the number one on your telephone keypad, and I can also bring your voice into the conversation. Greetings, Hoodoo Occultism. It's not happening. <laughs> I don't know how long you've been listening. It's not happening. Um, much of the city still doesn't have power. I just got my power back last night. Uh, Tony still doesn't have power. Many of our community doesn't even have water. So um, I'm grateful to have power and water at this moment in time space. But this just isn't a good time to come to the city. Um, so I hope you hear me. We can, all, of course, talk off air. But, but I want to say that while I had you right here uh, in, in front of me. But thank you so much for being present. Obia, hoodoo, voodoo has everything to do with location. And again, I understand you're just coming in, into the conversation. We kind of talked about that. Uh, it has everything to do with where the ancestors landed and what ethnic group, what ethnic cultural background came with them. And then, of course, what knowledge, what shared knowledge came with them. And as we had our families broken up, as we were sold away, as we escaped and, and, and went into maroonage, we carried that knowledge with us, sometimes shared that knowledge, you know, in, in, a, in a, what do you call it, uh, 
potlucks where everybody brings a dish, everybody brings their knowledge, everybody brings what they know to the table, and then these traditions that we now know today as Obia, Hoodoo, Voodoo, with four O's, were then birthed and created. The idea that these were just bastardization. Greetings, Mom. I'm so glad my mother's here. I'm so glad my sister Wapani is here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so the idea that these were bastardizations is not a fairization. Unless we're talking about the white book authors, the white filmmakers, the slave owners, the, the uh, uh, slave-owning archaeologists, the slave-owning historians that wrote a great deal of material that now documents this demonstration, they indeed brought bastardization to these traditions. They indeed spoke them out as something evil, as something negative, as something dark. And yes, uh, beloved expert, <laughs> in, in, in the zombie part one <laughs> to the three part, um, yes, they did bring a vulgar. That's the word she used, vulgar. Uh, how many of you in this room are vulgar? How many of you identify your spirit practice as vulgar? So yes, voodoo was demonstrated as vulgar, in the movie, voodoo was demonstrated as vulgar in, in, in books of imagination and creativity. Voodoo was demonstrated as vulgar, you know, in your talking radio shows. You know, back in the day, they didn't just play music. They had drama and, 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 and series, soap operas on radio. And, and so they spoke vulgar into the equation with our traditions and, and our practice. When you found someone authentically in the community acknowledging these practices, um, I think we'd have a hard time um, uh, experience with it. I am it. <laughs> I have experience with it. I am in it. It's a part of our practice. It's a part of our tradition. Again, it's it's not far removed from hoodoo. It's not far removed. From voodoo, it has everything to do with where you're located. It has everything to do with where you're living. It has everything to do with your knowledge of herbs, of plants, of roots, you know, of, of toxins, you know, of bacteria that exist in nature. Thank you so much, Mariah. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. Let me check my phone lines, area code 845-277-9143, 845-277-9143. I'm going to give it a few more minutes on my phone lines, and I'm going to move it forward. All is a blessing. Yes, uh, y'all, Adamus, yes. Yeah, it was definitely a part of a bigger... Uh, plan to demonize black culture. Um, and, and yes, the same happened uh, in uh, the same happened all over the world. Everywhere you find the the footprint of the missionary, of the colonist, uh, of the oppressor, uh, of the enslaver, 
are the person who feels they need to dominate the world, not just explore it and and find new things, you know, but, but to control it, to own it. And if I can't control it or own it or capitalize on it, then I demonize it. And so we saw this. And so there is the fertile soil for the birthing of traditions like voodoo with boros, hoodoo, conjure, obia, as we see it manifest, um, not just then, but today. The main system of divination in obia, because of the absence of the structure of voodoo, the structure of lukomi, the structure of a, of a traditional ethnocultural practice, then the systems of divination are varied in obia. So you see forms of, of divination that manifest in nature, in nature. And for some of you, you know, that are a little bit squeamish, this is going to be just a little bit graphic. So there's that animal divination, you know, sometimes where they open up the animal and they examine, you know, the organs, the gut, the, the inner body parts. There are demonstrations in nature where nature speaks back to you. Birds speak back to you. The patterns of animals speak back to you. And, and, and again, these have roots in West African tradition. Uh, some Dibia practitioners uh, in Ghana would draw uh, sort of a graft in the sand on the ground. And then overnight, certain animals might leave a track on, on the graft, might leave an imprint on the graft, and that would be red. And of course, this would be done at particular uh, times of the month, particular uh, cycles of the moon within particular seasons. There's also um, divination by binary divination that we understand as Fa, Afa, Ifa in West Africa. Uh, the ability to count to 16, the ability to count to 256 would have just transferred over into the new world and then taken on new implements, stones, shells, seeds, and then that system would have been reborn in the West. Calling it what it would have been named, would have been titled, would have shifted, would change. Uh, some would say that can be found in reading dominoes. Some would say that can be found in, in reading a regular deck of cards. When we look at Haitian divination, when, when we do see an outward uh, demonstration of, of, of divination in Haitian voodoo, um, we often see regular cards. But there's also that element of channeling, that element of spirit possession, where spirit comes in, loa comes in, takes over the human body, and, and then speaks the divination out directly. Uh, so there's a variety of systems of divination that not only made the middle passage and then re were reborn, but also new systems that either hid behind or were masked behind um, or, or just for sake of utility 
um, found new world usages. Um, reading tea leaves is said to be sort of a Eurocentric practice. But there are elements to it that are indeed indigenous and can be found throughout the world, China, India, you know, South America, Central America. And when I say South America, Central America, I mean the Arawak. The 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 uh, uh, Inca, Maya, Aztec descendants that also became part of that mix of culture that developed uh, these systems that we now know today as Obia, Hoodoo, Voodoo. Indeed, um, there is totem divination among the uh, indigenous people that made its way into into voodoo. Uh, crows, there, there's a, a unique relationship to crows and blackbirds here in the South. And, and if you feed a blackbird, it will return. It will knock on your door. It will make noise, you know, to sort of call your attention to it. And so our ancestors had a unique relationship to, to the goat and the pig and the cow and the horse and, and the birds and, and the seeds of the field in a way that we've lost in modern culture. And so we could expand on what divination would look like um, in an in a Obia setting. We can expand on what divination would look like in a hoodoo setting. Um, reading nature through the activity of, of birds is one of my gifts. It's not a gift that I talk about a whole lot. It's, it's, it's an on-the-ground gift. People who are with me, who do work with me, uh, friends, you know, of course, Denise Augustine, who, who takes that power walk uh, with me every day, um, knows that there's a, a way of counting and, and, and a way of communicating with the activities that happen in nature, a part of divination hoodoo. Reading plants, indeed. Uh, tapping in the power of herbs. First, you start by identification. You know, five, ten, a dozen, fifteen. You know, start small. You know, make a list. You know, learn to identify. Research what they do, um, and start basic: basil, sage. These are very easy to grow. Proper propagate in most places. Now, I understand um, it's October 30th, and some of y'all seasons are changing. <laughs> and indeed, the seasons are changing just a little bit here, too. But um, my plants will survive the winter, usually, unless we have an unusual cold event. My plants will survive the winter. Uh, and even then, I can throw blankets over my garden, and, and it'll survive. So, um, Learn to identify, and not just what, you know, you can grow hoodoo occultism, but also what might be available in your community. Uh, palm trees, not palm trees, though they have a purpose. I was trying to say pine, P-I-N-E. Now, for those of you who live up north, pine trees are everywhere, and pine trees are seasonal. If you pay attention to pine trees, they, they have one look and one activity in spring, another for the summer, another for the fall, another for the winter. And indeed, with cold and congestion and flu, um, 
learn how to utilize those dry wood pine cones. Uh, they're medicinal. You know, you, you clean them really well. You boil them into a tea. You add a little onion, a little garlic, a little honey, you know, and, and it'll open you up and clear, and clear you out. Um, so start small. Start with what trees, what plants are available to you, what you can grow, but also those that might be in your uh, in your community, acorns, maple trees, you know, all had a real-life purpose, edible purpose, medicinal purpose, magical purpose to our ancestors that someone who's trying to tap the power of herbs today can, can latch on. We have the benefit today of apps and the Internet in terms of finding out what a plant is, what it looks like, what its Latin name is, what its, you know, common names are how it grows, how to propagate it, in some cases how to get rid of it, because many in the Western world still look at our food and our herb sources as weeds. Um, And indeed, they are weeds. They're they're the herbs of the food field. Yes, moon, luck, love. Indeed, uh, the goddess initiative. Please read the chat, because they're making some powerful points in the chat. Paying attention to nature is vital, um, not just as a, as a man or not just as a woman. A, a woman, however, you know, learns to pay attention to nature much younger than men uh, because it's so a part of your body. And it is so a part of ours. But this culture doesn't teach that, doesn't make that distinction. Um, we paid attention to the sky when we, when we were children. We paid attention to the stars and the moon and the sun and the weather. You know, we, we were very aware. Many of you, particularly in the big cities, you know, live in buildings with, with no windows or, or, or buildings you can't even open the windows, could, could literally walk through a place like New York City and have a very limited exposure to outside if you if you so choose. I know when I was in New York City and it was cold, or Chicago and it was cold, you know, from the L to the subway, you know, to the building, you know, and, and the stores are, are sort of built with cover and, and in enclosed spaces, and you can indeed avoid nature. But we exist in a place where, you know, we don't know where our food comes from. We don't know what's in our food. Some of us are not eating real food, you know, and if you are indeed eating the pus, mucus of cows and chickens, if you are indeed eating the carcasses of dead animals only, then you're not going to gain hoodoo cultism. You're not going to gain the same connection to your herbs as one who who does. There are indeed incantations that activate your herbs. There are, again, moon cycles, you know, seasons for harvesting, planting, uh, how, and then, of course, how, how they are utilized and or applied. Um, in many cases, I ingest herbs. I chew herbs. I cook herbs. I eat herbs, many of the same herbs that I'm going to utilize or am utilizing for any hoodoo, for any 
the root work for any conjure. The apine is great for many medicinal, spiritual health benefits. Um, I also want to say that there indeed exists spirit in nature. It, it is at the very foundation of what animism is, that the belief in the indigenous world that all things in nature possess a spirit. So your plants possess a spirit. And so some plants are a little bit more giving than others. I have a rosemary that's all over the place, out of control, all over the place. Um, I have others that are a little bit more conservative, a little bit more reserved. And indeed, they have a spirit. I talk to my plants. <laughs> you know, um, I, I know my, my plants by name. Um, and, I, and I also know um, where I can help heal and sort of move your plant into a better, healthy state, even for themselves. Because, of course, a sick plant, a plant that, that's not getting the proper balance of water, sunlight, nutrition, fertilizer, can't give you life, can't give you everything, can't give you what you need, and then subsequently will not survive, you know, into the next season. Um, so building a relationship with, you know, five, a dozen, 15 plants, get to know those plants well, Learn how to use them in a tea, and food, in medicine, in a bath, in, in application, and then add a few more uh, to that. Uh, where the, you know, tradition comes in is that exposure to Yoruba culture, that exposure to Ikbu, Hausa, Fan, Ewe culture in terms of where those incantations were being pulled from and continue to be pulled from. Now, of course, today, in 2020, you know, people speak English. Orisha speak English. Loa speak English. And, and we find a way of creating our own mantras, our own chants, our own incantations that are most beneficial to our own needs and goals. And I'm always uncomfortable when I say to our own because we live in a very me, myself, and I based, and I don't want the idea lost that in its most original form, obia, hoodoo, voodoo, were being utilized for, for the health of the community. Yes, uh, one Wapani, absolutely, that identify your plants uh, and to even identify things that might be growing up in your garden. Okay. All of us have stuff that's, that start growing up in your garden, and you wonder, okay, is, is this food, is this an herb, or should I kill it? I have an apple tree, and right next to it, something grew up. I mean, right next to it, something grew up, just as hardy, just as strong, you know, as the apple tree. And I'm like, okay, but that's not part of the apple is that something else? Well, what is that? And I, and I use the picture of this. And indeed, it, it's, you know, an, a, a plant that I can't use. Um, but, but those of us who have some experience in gardening, you're familiar with that. And so you pull up everything that doesn't look like what you expect what you're growing to, to look like. But sometimes even in your well-organized seed packet, you have other things that might be present. 
You have birds, especially here in the southern regions, that fly over and come from the Caribbean, come from South America, come from North America, uh, come from, from Europe, and drop seeds. And so you have things that grow up that, that you didn't plant. Uh, so that's a great application uh, to use. Um, ja Konu, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, says the only way black people ago got through it is to embrace the art of voodoo-obia and hoodoo. And I absolutely agree. Um, I like to say, though it's unpopular for me to say it, I like to say that it's our salvation. It's unpopular because salvation sounds so like Christianity, uh, and that's not what I mean. Uh, And I've got to find a better word than salvation. But it is indeed our salvation. It is the returning to the indigenous way, the natural way, the organic way is indeed our salvation and salvation of humanity. We have to move away from fossil fuels. We have to move away from all the methane gas that's being produced by thousands and thousands of herded cattle that are then slaughtered, you know, to show up at your grocery store, to show up at your popular fast food place. We've got to. It's not sustainable. So, you know, we've got to move backwards in order to move forward. It's a quantum, metaphysical, magical thing. We have to go back. We have the time machine back to the past in order to move forward. We like to say, you know, to know where you've been is to help you to know where you're going. You can't know where you're going without knowing where you've been. So as we get away from what's, you know, unnatural, what's synthetic, what's, you know, uh, human-created, you know, what's toxic to, to our bodies, and, and, and get back into nature, growing our own food, oh, man, when the power is off, one of the best things was the idea that I could eat food that I had actually grown. I made a beautiful cabbage salad, regular cabbage, you know, white cabbage um, and purple cabbage, kale, sunflower seeds, and then it had uh, sweet basil herb, meaning, meaning the leaf, the seed, and the flower. It, it was the most tastiest salad <laughs> I've had, you know, forever. Food that I grew, food that came out of my garden, food that I know, uh, other than the rain that's falling from the sky and, and the water that I put into it, um, has no pesticides, has no toxins in it, has no herbicides in it, you know, has no, you know, chemical compounds in it. And so that is a major step. For any Obia man, for any hoodoo practitioner, for any root worker in getting back into nature. And, and I'm not suggesting that you have to be vegan. I'm not suggesting that you have to be vegetarian. Indeed, voodoo is not vegetarian. <laughs> Ifa is not vegetarian. You know, vegan says that even the slaughtering of a chicken, you know, is a problem. Whereas your vegetarian might eat white meat chicken, might eat fish, might enjoy, you know, a little milk, a little egg every every now and then. And indeed, we utilize, you know, all of these food items, you know, in the practice of these traditions. 
Um, there are indeed many celebrity uh, similarities between Obi and men in, in the Palermo. First, there's the geographic location: Cuba, Puerto Rico, you know, uh, Central America. Uh, so there's that cultural connection that sort of makes some similarities. Uh, and then what they do and how they operate uh, in, in their communities share similarities. Uh, but we know what they are at a root is very different. Palero is very different. Uh, then we're getting into the dead, the bodies of the dead, the bones of the dead, and then certain ritual practices directly tied to that. And again, it has its roots in West African practice, West, West African uh, tradition. Also a crow that, that said historically that it has a connection to uh, the antebellum South and also enslavement. There are many stories that speak of a relationship between the enslaved and the crow. A crow that might deliver a message, a crow that might uh, do the work thereof, you know, to, to go and steal food or go and capture an item and, and bring it back. Uh, I've come across many stories uh, in, in the antebellum South uh, between the enslaved and a relationship, a unique relationship with, with crows. Uh, yes, indeed. Yeah, you've got to have a relationship to your plant. And they will sometimes speak to you and, and tell you exactly who and what they are um, and then how to best apply. Uh, what do I think about the Ouija board? Oh, that's a good one. I actually have a Ouija board. I have a round, red and black, um, Egyptian Ouija board. Um, it has some Egyptian symbolism on it. Um, some of you may be familiar with this Ouija board. I can't remember the maker of, of, of the board. Not right now. I don't think they make this board anymore. Um, I keep the planchette in a different room than I keep the board. Um, that's how strongly I believe in, in Ouija boards. And like tarot cards, what are the dangers of tarot cards? What are the dangers of Ouija boards? Um, from an elemental perspective, it's wood, and maybe pressed wood, manufactured wood, you know. Um, and so you don't know the tree came from. You don't know the process it has been through. Um, indeed, it has absorbed a great deal of energy, but it doesn't hold energy like many other spiritual objects, typically because it's made from cheap pressed wood. And, and like your tarot cards, it, you know, it can hold a limited energy, but your tarot cards also have to be cleansed frequently, depending on the amount of time, you know, you, you spend with them in, in spirit. Um, it, it's not a strong ally like a crystal, a mineral, a stone, um, our metal, silver, gold. Um, so it opens a way for a lower evolved spirit your wood Ouija board. Um, heaven forbid a cardboard or paper Ouija board. Um, spirits that aren't quite um, mature can come through. Dangerous spirits can otherwise break through. 
Uh, there's a dynamic to utilizing a Ouija board and even tarot cards that maintains a, a, a connection to a spirit without it coming through into our world. Um, we've rarely seen in, in movie cinematic demonstration, like Ghost, for instance, uh, where Whoopi Goldberg has a otherwise ghostly, you know, and, and, and traumatic experience with tarot cards. Um, I have had weird, if not traumatic, negative experiences around tarot cards. Tarot cards are the most volatile tool, and indeed, um, Ouija boards would, would be in a close second in terms of volatility. And so people who use them should be in their best place, should be clean, should be healthy, should be well, shouldn't have a whole lot of shadow work lurking in in the background. And and indeed, you are inviting in the shadow work of of your clients and and the people that you utilize your tarot cards with. Now, your Ouija board is often a little bit more isolated um, you know, you, you bring it out and you use it in a group, but it's not like tarot cards where you might be doing that every day, every day, every week, you know, on, on a regular basis. So, again, I think that sets up, a, a you know, an uneasy environment where you can very easily bring through something in a widget board that cannot be controlled. Now, we got plenty of cinegraphic uh, <laughs> demonstrations. You know, imaginative, creative demonstrations of, you know, Ouija boards going wrong. How easy it is for a Ouija board to go wrong. I, I support that there's some validity to that. Uh, I support that the Ouija board didn't just fall out of favor. For my young audience, there was a time Ouija boards and tarot cards, for that matter, you know, were sold by Hasbro and other toy companies back in the 50s, the 60s, and they were presented as games and toys, not real. Um, So we don't see that as much today. And so you might say, okay, well, there are many toys, you know, games that were popular back then. Sorry, you know, Twister, you know, that, that may have fell out of popularity. But it's not a whole lot of you know, Ouija board producers today. Um, And I think there are just too many negative stories of people who've actually used Ouija boards that still hang in the air. Um, I'd be curious to see it regain popularity. I'd be curious to see all of a sudden a resurgence of the Ouija board in in social media. That, that That would be interesting. Come on now, y'all, with your questions, your comments, your requests. Otherwise, I'm going to go get me some water and some lunch. Tiana Bolden, greetings, beloved. Lovely profile picture, lovely avatar. She's been reading some hoodoo books and became so lost, them telling her that she needed to do things a certain way and go out and buy this route and that and the other. And she almost gave up and and said, Hoodoo did not resonate with her. But she's finding my words to be so affirming with what she resonates with. Uh, and I appreciate that, uh, Tiana. 
I also want to add to what you just said about, you know, you've read many books and they said do it this way, do it that way, by this route, by that route. Um, I like to compare that, you know, innocently, with all due respect, to like baking. There's so many recipe books out there. You know, cornbread, do it this way, do it that way. You know, put whole jalapeno in your cornbread. You know, put whole corn in your, in your cornbread. It's, it's so many different gumbo recipes. You know, and, and so some taste great. You know, some do well. You know, might not necessarily be real gumbo, you know, but, 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 it's, but it's edible and, and, and it's enjoyable. So I think we have to consider that. I also look at it, herbology, you know, is right in line with medicine. And particularly in the U.S. and I think even in the U.K., we've got some weird laws about how we use herbs and plants. So some places you can't even grow them. You know, you can't just wake up one morning and decide I'm going to grow hiawatha or or marijuana or or, or uh, peyote. You know, without looking at the rules and the regulations and the governmental, you know, oversight of of where you live. I also look at herbs like pharmaceuticals. So you know, some combinations. Some applications could really be dangerous. And I don't care what the herb is, mint, sage, you know, if it's not applied right, if it's not utilized right, if, if you don't respect that plant and, and, and the power within that plant. Um, so I know I'm saying just a little bit more than what you said. You, you just said you got lost. And, and I understand. I'm still to this day lost with algebra. Okay. Okay. I'm still to this day a little bit lost about chemistry, <laughs> you know. So when we look at herbs, plants, roots, even crystals, we tend to overgeneralize crystals. But those of us who are lovers of crystal, mineral, and stone, who've got a stack of books about crystal, mineral, and stone, have to go beyond just the metaphysical books, the magical books, but also look at mineralogy geology, earth science. And so I think that's where it becomes a little complicated, Tiona, for some of us. And then, of course, you have the book authors that are writing for popularity, that, that are writing for fame and fortune, that are writing for entertainment. And that's okay. It's room for entertainment. It's, it's room for folks to be a little creative. You know, it's your writing, it's your book, it's your publishing you know, but I agree with you. It doesn't make it easy for a learner, student who doesn't have a teacher, who doesn't have a mentor, who may not have godparents to sort of, you know, walk them along. Even if we look at the generation of the family, the absence of, you know, whole family having, you know, your, your mom has a father and a mother, your dad has a father and mother. You know, in the best-case scenario, you might know one or two or more of your great-grandparents, you know, and with them is a wealth of information. But even that's being lost in the environment that the world exists in today. I'm grateful to have my mom still with me. I'm grateful to be able to ask my mom questions 
I'm grateful to be able to jog my mother's memory. You know, but what did you do? And I'll ask my mama this. What were you doing in 65 and 66 when the riots was going on and black power? My mom was in college at that time at a black university, historically black university, Lincoln University. So I asked her those questions, you know. And so when your grandma's still alive and grandpa's still alive and uncle and aunt, you know, and crazy cousins still alive, it's a time to ask questions. You know, and sometimes you get a, I don't know. Sometimes you get a, you know, well, baby, I never thought of that. You know, sometimes you get, you know, bits and pieces. But they're all helpful. I would even say they're all healthy. Helpful and healthy. So um, I hear you. Without those leaders, those mentors, those teachers, those guides, we, we live in an artificial world now where we, we think we're going to get all of our education at school, kindergarten, 12th grade. No. You know, we're still being taught by our parents. We're still being taught by our experience. We're still being taught by the conscious people in our, in our space that are consciously teaching. And so we ourselves have to have that same opinion, that same attitude. I have to be consciously aware consciously willing to participate in the act of both teaching myself and learning for myself. And so I offer you, Tiona, to be more patient with yourself, to be a little bit more forgiving. Um, My beloved godmother, Iyama Van Zandt, likes to say, it is unkind and it is unloving to sort of beat yourself up about something that you don't know. You were never taught. It's unkind and unloving to judge yourself on, you know, your struggle through learning a new culture, new language, new tradition, new plant, new usages. Be more kind with yourself. Be more patient with yourself. Matthew Ferguson, I agree. This pandemic and this shutdown, and in some places, you all are facing a second complete shutdown. I think France might be one of those places. Can you validate that for me, uh, my France listener, that might be headed into a second shutdown? But it has reinforced growing your own food. It reinforces being able to capture and hold water. It reinforces, you know, uh, our ability to store and to keep. If you're used to going to Walmart or wherever you shop, you know, every week or every few days, you know, and then there's a shutdown and, 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 and there's no toilet paper and no this and no that, you know, many of us have had to re-examine how we live. So great, great point. Yes, I agree. People kill people. But I think that if you are mature, if you're an adult, if you are legal, and you all know what I mean, you don't you don't have the bad things, the negative marks on your <laughs> on your record. Um, you should absolutely be able to legally be armed. Um, and and that might sound a little Republican. Um, there's Democrats, there's liberals, there's green people who support gun rights. Um, and for me, particularly women and women with children. If I have my way, every legal black woman should own a gun. 
Every legal black woman should own a gun. With or without children, I, I have to retract that. Because, yeah, you want to protect your kids, but you also want to protect yourself. A single black woman doing her thing, making her living, going about her business, should, should have, a, have a legal gun. Um, so, um, Jacanu, yes. It's absolutely for our preservation. It's absolutely for our survival. It's absolutely going to be for our resurrection. If things continue as they are in society, if things continue as they are, and someone's pushing for a race war, someone's pushing for civil war in America, and, you know, with my knowledge of COINTEL and, and the new knowledge of Russian and Iranian and Ukrainian interference, um, I'm not always sure where it's coming from. I think sometimes it's being exploited from outside the country, and they know that it's a problem in the country, and so they reinforce that, these plants. They reinforce that in, in social media. On the other hand, we absolutely get problems of race, class, ethnicity, our relationship to the government, our relationship with police in America. And then we stroke the fire, you know, soak the fires, if you will, ourselves. So sometimes I don't know if it's us back and forth with it or if it's coming from the outside source, but we have to get to a place where we rise above it, grow above it, so that we can better operate moving into the future. Um, who do you call ism? Now, listen, your questions are hard because I know who you are. You ain't got no business playing with no Ouija board. Let's be clear. <laughs> okay? There are limited usages, limited purposes for a Ouija board. Uh, in the tradition, you know, when we look at Lukumi, Santeria, you know, we know what Misa is. And Misa is a seance. It's a seance. It, it's designed to call up, to pull up, to support the dead, and to receive messages, healing, you know, connection, you know, with the other side. I don't suggest doing that through a Ouija board. You know, I, I, I just don't. Um, there aren't very many ways to protect yourself with the Ouija board outside of your own spiritual strength. Because, you know, everyone has a hand on the planchette. There's at least three or more people involved in, in, in the usage uh, of the Ouija board. Um, and then often it's, you know, to ask questions, it's, it's, it's fun and games. So there's limited ways of protecting yourself. You know, I, I, I keep the planchette separate from the board. I don't let people play with the board. I don't let children use the board. You know, I, I just don't. Um, and so there's very limited ways. Um, you know, some people say, you know, everyone has to keep their feet on the ground. No one can move their hand from off the planchet. No one can get scared and then jump up from the table. All of those things lead to a negative outcome with a Ouija board. So 
the only people that should be using Ouija boards are already spiritual adepts, have a purpose or a reason, and in my opinion, that makes it least likely to have negative outcomes um, from a Ouija board. In high school, Sandra C's friend used a Ouija board, and the spirit she communicated with began to influence her. Yeah, I agree. Um, the lower, less evolved, more debased gem and spirit can come through paper and wood. Paper and wood. When you start getting into minerals, gold, rubies, diamonds, now you're talking about a whole nother level of energy. And so those lower spirits can pass through that. Just like it said that, you know, some spirits can cross water. Some ghosts can cross water. Just like we use red brick dust and certain gems can cross it. It's how you tell who your friends are. And some people cannot cross that red brick. So um, I just don't suggest it. With the Ouija boards. I, I just don't suggest it. I, I would need a whole lot more detail about why this is even happening. Whose board is it? What kind of board it is? I would need a whole lot more questions answered. Uh, Malachi. Uh, yeah, hoodoo is very personal. I, I would agree with you. Hoodoo is very personal. In an environment where you're already cut off, limited socially by the constraints of enslavement, uh, hoodoo in its most organic and natural form uh, was indeed much more personal. Um, we, we're already forced to go underground, undercover, to hide our practice, to hide our tradition. Um, so that further feeds, I, I believe, uh, the goddess initiative that personalizing of the practice that, that we find in hoodoo. I absolutely agree with you on that. Uh, Sandra C., I, I hear you, I see you, and I, I'm there with you, beloved. Um, I rarely use tarot cards today. So please stop sending me requests to do tarot readings. I rarely use tarot cards today. Um, I'm, I'm more in line to do full voodoo divination. Um, Delagoon, Marin Delagoon, etc. I don't really use the tarot cards as much today. Uh, it's more a novelty. I indeed will do it for camera, uh, but in my practice with people and particularly with meeting the needs of the questions that would normally come up in a tarot reading, I'm finding that there are much more uh, evolved systems for addressing it. So I, I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. I use tarot cards primarily for other people and for other people who are not in, in ATR. Um, Europeans, Asians, uh, uh, black people who just are somehow cut off from, from the roots. Um, the world, the, the populace. And, and when I think of Jackson Square here in New Orleans, when I think of the fortune teller, you know, they're sort of out in the open. When I think of uh, Eve Bayou and Diane Carroll 
And, you know, she's sort of sitting out at the fair. She's a little bit isolated from the fair, but she's out, you know, at the fair, out at the public market. It's a very public tool, the tarot. And it's good for that. You know, it's universal in that way. Um, but you have to be that much more protective. Now, now, if I had to compare protecting myself using tarot from protecting yourself using uh, Ouija board, voodoo occultism, those are two very different things. And certainly there are ways to protect yourself, cleanse yourself, you know, with tarot that are very out overt and out, out in the open, physical, uh, as opposed to with the Ouija board. Um, yeah, you can set up stones around you. You can set up light around you. You can put down, you know, protective circles before you get involved in, in, in the Ouija board. But um, you're likely to get a, a, a skeleton key type response, <laughs> you know. I have many favorite herbs. I mean, I have a garden, J.P. Tarot. So I have many favorite herbs. Um, absolutely rosemary, more than one kind of basil. Holy basil, for instance, is very different than sweet basil. Um, aloe, um, you know, elephant ear, um, wandering Jew. You know, there, there, there are herbs that are just abundant. In New Orleans, again, people call them weeds. You know, they'll take over your house, your yard, the sidewalk. Um, so there are many that I could easily call a favorite. Chamomile, easily call a favorite. Rose, rose. The leaves of roses, yeah. Um, one of my favorites, pink rose, red rose, you know, black rose. You know, I have favorites now. Um so so, yeah, what I have on hand right now is mirrors what I, some of what I just listed. Uh, even frankincense and myrrh, people don't quite understand, is, is, is a resin and it's also edible, um, has, has many usages and would be added to that list of things that I would say would be my favorite. Um, you are in UK. Okay, now wait a minute. Now I got a friend, uh, Shamafia. Where is Shamafia? Because I, I wanted to talk to you, Shamafia. You put up a post. Shamafia, are you still here, beloved? Shamafia put up a post. Yeah, she's still here. I hope. The other day, in Europe, I believe Shamafia is in the UK, right? Aren't you in the UK? You were out in the middle of a field and you found a mushroom. And Shamafia was, was talking about how beautiful and the fairies have made this mushroom. I want to know to what degree Shamafia knew what that was. Because I knew what it was right away. That mushroom was a particular color and type. <laughs> and so I'm curious, Shamafia, what were you up to? Were you hunting? Were you harvesting? Did you just see the mushroom, um, you know, as a part of your journey? I'm really curious, beloved. 
did you actually partake of the mushroom? I'm, I'm really curious. Yeah, you have to be careful. I think my sister is reminding us to be careful with our herbs, flowers, barks, roots. All natural doesn't mean to consume it as much as you want at any time. They're not all of the same potency. Absolutely. And again, um, our beloved sister who, who got lost, Tiana, it's like being a pharmacist. It's like being a chemist. It's like being a dietitian or, or a nutritionist. There's a whole degree of knowledge and information that comes with uh, these plants that we don't always um, feel as motivated to investigate as we do the more fun parts of, of, of having herbs and ac- access to them. Uh, my sister, in my opinion, is a, is a herbalist master particularly in dealing with health issues, health complications. I'm learning a lot from her. She feeds my garden. I feed her garden. She feeds my knowledge. I feed her knowledge. I'm so grateful for uh, Warren Wapani and what she brings to the garden, the library of information about about these plants and their uh, usages. Yeah, there will be another lockdown soon. Let me scroll down. Shamafia, where are you at? Shamafia. Okay, beloved, is there a delay? Are you hearing my question? I want to know about that mushroom. I wish you could call in or jump in on screen. If I can find the name. And if you don't have camera, my phone lines are still open at area code 845-277-9143. Greetings, um, area code 610. Who's calling and where are you calling from? Hello, my name is Tadatad with a lot of T's, and um, I'm calling from Pennsylvania, U.S. Oh, greetings. Greetings, beloved. And what's your question or comment today? Um, how do I address you? Like, what name? Divine Prince. Divine Friend. Divine Prince. Divine Prince. How can I help you? Okay. Divine Prince. Um, I took some, you know, divination classes and, you know, started a radio show and, you know, People always said that my readings were accurate, but, you know, once in a rare while or in my free time, maybe like 20, 30% of the time, like, spirits will start to say, just kidding, um, or something like that, like, just to, like, make the reading very, like, just botch up the reading, basically, you know, like, if I'm curious about something, I want to know something. Sometimes, like, they botch up the reading. I'm confused as to why they, you know, say, you know, that'd be fine. And then, like, you know, just almost like pranking or something. I don't know what they're doing, the Divine Prince. Um, I'm concerned. (laughs) I'm greatly concerned um, just by what you're saying um, and, and the implications of what you're saying. 
So let me take it a little bit slow. Please forgive me. Uh, I'm not trying to be offensive. Now, when I hear you say, I'm asking questions, and then they sort of joke or don't give, I would then be concerned about what type of questions you're asking and why. So, so first off, you can't consult divination regularly. I don't care if it's crystal ball. I don't care if it's tarot cards. I don't care. If it, you, you can't consult divination every day, several times a day, or every week, or several times a week, and especially for yourself. Now, now traditionally, one, one divination in a 30 to 90-day period, traditionally, I think we've become too over-reliant on readings and divination from a personal perspective. And so I don't mean you personally. Don't don't be offended by what I'm saying. But there are some people who, you know, you're trying to figure out what you're going to wear the next day from your tarot card. Your very next move at the grocery store from your tarot card. Your very next move on your job from your tarot card. And and, and that's too much. I think there's a, a, a space for us to hear what spirit has to say just like hearing a prophet, just like hearing a guru, climbing the mountain to, to, to hear what the guru has to say. And then you climb back down and you go back into the stream of life. And then you apply what's being said. You, you give it time to plant and to see it grow and to come up. You know, some people do a reading on Monday and they want to answer on Saturday. They do a reading on Saturday, and they, and they expect to see a manifestation in, in, in a week. And it really does not work that way. It works just like nature. There's a season for the moon. There's a season for the stars. There's a season for the weather. So that's just what it sounds like. You might be overreading, and if you start overreading, they will play with you. Also, uh, if you heard what I said just before you called, Ouija boards and tarot cards, oracle cards, are the most volatile form of divination. There's no system attached to it. There's no perimeter attached to it. So it opens it up to all levels of spirit, jinn, demons, speaking through through, through your, your forms of divination. Real spiritually empowered Spirit, Orisha, Loa, first would speak through our cards, will not speak through our Ouija board, will not manifest that way. And two, even if they did, beloved, they wouldn't joke with you. They wouldn't prank you. So based on what what you said, and me as a, a practitioner of over 40 years, you're playing with gin. You might not know it. You might not want that. You might not have invited that. But you're playing with gin. You're playing with gin. And that's why the Ouija board is so dangerous, because you already are going into it with the mindset that I'm communicating with the dead. The dead. All the dead ain't happy. All the dead don't want to be there. Some of the dead don't know why they're there. Some of the dead, you know, want to come back and and are not very good good, you know, spirit. And so tarot is very similar. 
And, and I think some people feel that if I uh, do oracle cards as opposed to tarot cards, that, that that makes it somehow better. And, and in fact, you're now stepping out into chaos magic because the, many of these oracle cards don't have a foundation in tarot. Tarot is very specific, just like your deck of cards. It's got a king, a queen, a jack, your spade, etc. So, so tarot is a, is an organized system unto itself, unto itself. So now you got bird tarot, angel tarot, zodiac tarot, pizza tarot. You know, thirty eight flavors of ice cream tarot. You know, and, and, and we're calling them oracle cards. And so now we're open up to a whole nother range of spirits. The, the, the author, the producer, the artist, how are they living? The person who painted the pictures on your Oracle card, how are they living? What was their connection to spirit? So all of that then becomes problematic for the reader. So I would suggest that you watch what you're eating, more fruits and vegetables, more water. Watch the amount of sun and moon energy you receive. Caller, especially if you live, call her with all the T's in her name. <laughs> Say your name again. Tata Tot. Tata Tot. Uh, especially if you live in the northern region or you live where it's now fall going into winter. You need more sunlight. You need as much exposure to the, to the sun, the sky, as you can. Now, I know you have to work, live your life, do your thing, you know, find 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. You know, some people like who smoke. I don't smoke, really, but people who smoke like to take a smoke break. So you take a 15-minute break to go outside and breathe the air, to, to, to make contact with nature, to make contact with the, with, with, with the trees, to make contact with the sky. Um, and I guess I'm speaking to all tarot readers, and I'm also speaking to Hoodoo Caucasm about protecting yourself from, from the Ouija board, and then ensure that the environment um, I'm sorry, Tasha, I'm having a problem remembering how to pronounce your name, but make sure you are doing it in a clean environment. You know, you can't be reading tarot like on your bed where you sleep. You should have a sacred space where you pray, a sacred space where you read, a sacred space where you invite spirits into your environment. You know, you don't want to invite them in your kitchen, your bathroom. You don't want to invite them everywhere all over your house. So clarify where you're actually doing that. And then, again, I would strongly suggest that you read less for yourself. Most readers don't read for themselves at all. At all. So I have people who say, um, oh, well, I don't read. I don't charge for readings. I just do it for myself. That's dangerous. When you say um, I'm playing with Jing, is that Jing the vital force or what's Jing? Jin. Jin. J I N N. Jin. It's an Arabic is word. Is that the vital force? I'm sorry, say that again. Is that the vital force of the body, or what is that? No, Jin, Jin, J-I-N. I think you're hearing Chi. Chi is the vital force in the body. I'm talking about Jin, J-I-N-N. 
jinn. Jinn are like demons. Jinn are oh. not elves, are not fairies, have a lower vibrating energy, and can become demonic. Jinn. Jinn. Okay. So if they're, if they're joking, if they're pranking you, if they're making fun of you, you've opened a door to something that you don't really want. And though right now it might just seem pranky, it might just seem comical, it can, get, it can become bad. It can become dangerous. And they're testing you right now in terms of your comfortability, what you're comfortable with. So if you're comfortable enough to have them speak and joke with you and then still keep doing that same practice, you're, you're walking into a bad place, beloved. So I, I, I need you to pull back. I really need you to go on a fast, a reading fast, where you don't read at all for at least a month. Don't read at all. Not for yourself, not for other people. For at least a month. Get, get some clarity about your walk, your purpose. And then when we do read, it should be for a very specific purpose. It should be for a very specific subject matter. But, but it can't be so general. It, it, it can't. It can't be your consistent guide. That's, that's, that's not the proper way to, to utilize um, divination. Give me a moment. Eric code 404. Who's calling and where are you calling from? Uh, this is Shamafia. You requested me call in. Yes, beloved. Now, wh- yes, where are you? Yes. I'm in Brooks, Georgia. I'm in Brooks, Georgia, which is about 45 minutes from Atlanta in Georgia. Really? Yes, but I have the talent of of many voices, so I I love the British voice. I love it. I can do it on tone. No, no. What made me think you were in the U.K. um, had had more to do with some of the, the pictures that you post. So you posted a picture. In Instagram, I believe you were in some kind of field, and there was yes, a mushroom. Yes, that's my yard. Yes. So that mushroom is in your yard? Yes, and six more popped up yesterday, and they're they're now there's sun out, so they're they're not out now, but they're just they're coming all over my area, and I've been working with the goddess Hecate, and she's been showing me all kinds of things um, slowly, obviously, but um. Yeah, I, I don't know what I just was drawn to the mushroom. I know it, it looked amazing. So I had to stop for a moment. I see cool stuff like that all the time. Okay, beloved. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> sir. How, how far is that mushroom from where you live? I would say, I don't know, like 150, 200 feet from okay. my house. Great, great. Can you and I, I know we're live on air. I'm putting you on the spot. But can we make some kind of arrangement for you to send those to me? Oh, um, yes, if they're still there when I get home, I, I can, sure. I'd love that. Now, 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 okay, now let's be clear. Don't, I don't want you to mention, you know, where you live or anything like that. What you're looking at is called a fly argic. A-G-A-R-I-C. 
or agaric, fly agaric. It's a very specific mushroom. And that's why I thought, okay, you had to be in the U.K. Because often when I see a documentary, there are people hunting for mushrooms. It's usually in the U.K. And that's one of the main mushrooms that they're looking for. Now, this mushroom is also called a fly amanita, a fly amanita. Now, it is poisonous to some degree, but it's also hallucinogenic. So it's a mushroom that people would eat who were looking to have a psychedelic experience. This mushroom was also used as a fly poison. That, that's why it's called fly agaric or fly amanita, because back in the day they used it as a fly poison and, and to keep flies, you know, out of your house or away from where you prepare food. But it is a popular mushroom, beloved. <laughs> okay. Oh. And I'm willing well, to I... a little donation. You know, if you can, oh. you know, pack up a few for me. <laughs> put it, don't okay. put them in plastic. Put them in paper, brown paper bag, and then put yes. that inside. You know, inside your box. I'll be eternally grateful. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I it had grown. Twice the size by the time I got home from work. They get big. I mean, like it was amazing. I, I mean, like and it, I, I'm, I'm actually amazed. But nature, I'm, I'm always amazed by things I find in my yard, and I'm interacting with the A-way and the bay and all those awesome things all the time. So, thank you for your education. I was told it was poisonous, but when I see, when I see that picture. It stopped me in my tracks. Even then, in that moment, I wanted to know, does she really know what it is she's looking at? And when you talk about you know, fairies and, you know, because you're very lyrical, and you talked about the fairies and stuff, I just said, okay, she's got to know what that is. She's got to know what that is she's looking at. But I, so I'm amazed to even think that you had no idea what that was. See, see, the mysteries are among us. Yeah. I just knew it was amazing. I knew it stopped me dead in my tracks, and I was already late for work. But I don't care if I'm late for work. Work is work. That's magic. So, yeah. So thank you very much for the education, because I'll look it up, and I I would definitely, definitely, um, I will email you, and we will correspond off air, of course. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yes, thank sir. you, and yes. thank you for calling in. And yes, call thank you so much for all you do for us. We love thank you. We love you so much. Thank you. And to my caller, yes. Eric, from 610, um, spell that with a D, D-J-I-N-N. Hello. Yes, I have people in chat who um, sort of corrected my spelling on Jen. So some people spell it J-I-N-N. You could also find it D J I N N. Okay, did you have any other questions for me? Um, that's all. I I really um took what you said to heart. I was thinking I wanna do like a ten year fast fast on reading. 
That sounds great, especially if you you sound, you know, pretty young. So that sounds great. You have time to sort of cleanse yourself, be a little bit more conscious of what you're eating, you know, and the type of energy that you are now drawing to you, that you are now um, opened up to. Um, Fortunately, um, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I would definitely slow up on, on that just a little bit, that, that form of divination that you're doing, um, just enough to get, you know, a better understanding about um, what it is that you really want from spirit, that you really need from spirit. Uh, it, it should be about your growth, your development, your moving forward. Um, just don't let it be entertainment. And I know that's easy to say because of the way we see, you know, divination and tarot cards and whatnot on, on TV and, and in pop culture, but, but it shouldn't be entertaining. And once you start sort of communicating with the spirits on that level, um, they will trick you. They will trick you. They will lie to you uh, because they are now feeding that part of your ego and you are feeding that part of theirs. A highly evolved ancestor, if we're talking about the dead, or a higher evolved spirit, um, is not going to prank you, not going to joke joke you, it's not going to sort of pull your leg like that. Um, so I, I strongly, you know, am just asking you to be careful with that. Um, you, you're not communicating with something good. Though it's, it's not cursing you, it's not shouting at you, it's not saying bad things, does not mean that it's not a negative event. And so that's why I say it's a gin, as opposed to just calling it a demon outright. Gin have, have varying grades and degrees. And so some can be worse than others, some can be more playful than others. But, but generally speaking, um, they exist in, in, in a vibrational lane that's not mature, that's not growing, that's not moving forward. And so those voices can, can, can create doubt in you. Those voices can cause you to question yourself or question otherwise the, the, the more useful information that might be coming through in your divination. Um, in our culture, meaning in the West, we, we tend to think, you know, reading oracle cards and tarot cards doesn't require training or mentorship. But you're giving us a very healthy example as to why it absolutely does. Um, I, I just don't think everybody should just go in and buy some cards and start reading. It's just not a, a, good, a good look. So I, I appreciate you. I, I thank you for your patience and your humility and your ability to, you know, hear my message you know, and, and not be offended by it, but actually find, you know, something that might be good for you out of it. But it is a sign that you have a spiritual gift. It is a sign that you are able to, you know, open a portal, open a doorway, you know, with your tools. But based on the symptoms of what you're describing, um, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. Okay. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate your calling in and, and sharing your, your story with us and your experience with us. 
And I look forward to uh, meeting you back here again sometime in the future. I am going to move forward. Um, I am both thirsty and hungry at this point. But I do appreciate each and every one of you for taking the time out of the middle of your day to be present here for another edition of Revolutionary Hoodoo, New Orleans Food and Secrets and Recipes, remembering and understanding that all is truly and indeed a blessing. I am open for your appointment request. You can contact me at divineprince at houseofthedivineprince.com, divineprince at houseofthedivineprince.com. You can also visit my website at www.houseofthedivineprince.com, and I will schedule your appointment at my most earliest convenience. All is truly and indeed a blessing I say, I say, I say. Congo Square. The Omus Indians, the Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. A sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. The Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our host, the Omus Indians, they pushed aside our host. The colonizers came and pushed aside our host and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Les Places de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment, but nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double Cross and capitalism, the ultimate triple coup de gras cross of our captivity. But the terror of crosses notwithstanding, we sang, we beat, we be, 
week was and is Hail Congo Square. Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate. A world harrowed by the beat. Be, beat, being, beating, being of black heart drums. Heart beat. Heart beat. Heart beat at this place. At this place. Be heart beat. Be we beating place in new world space. Beating being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace. Our dance is the God walk. Our music, the God talk. First thing we do, let's get together. Circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end. Connected together and singing, ringing, singing in a ring. Second, let's be original, aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are. Be bambula dance. Be bonza music. And sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. The bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy. Must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate with out of us. But no matter... No matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning. A sun day, a feel, a feel without shade, but dark, dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades, eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, 
And still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now. And still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat. Beat Congo Square. Be Congo Square. Beat B. Beat B. Beat. 